Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, Dustin Fuse, and I are recording this podcast on Saturday night, March 7th. Look, folks, I, I want to start with a quick apology. I know, look, we've all been inundated lately with news about COVID-19. You probably turned to listening to a podcast today because the television coverage of the evolving coronavirus situation is is relentless, It's and it's getting scary. That said, Universal Joint is uh, an entertainment news show, which means that Dustin and I do have to to cover what's been going on in the news lately, especially when it comes to the Universal Parks and Resorts. And these days, that does include COVID-19. That said, I will promise that Dustin and I will deliberately fold in some entertainment uh, you know, as we report the increasingly grim stuff. So please hang in there in this week's podcast. I promise that there will be some some fun and, and hopeful stories sprinkled in between. Uh, like, Dustin, weren't you talking about the food that was about to debut at, at Dead Endless Summer? Didn't they do a preview there just this past week or thereabouts? Yeah, the... Uh the the fact that they put something out about the food at a at the endless summer, I was just like, oh yes, please. This is exactly the news that I would like to pay attention to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like they've got breakfast and and lunch. The breakfast looks really good. It looks like they're doing a chicken and waffles, classic mm-hmm. stuff. Um, the the high res photos that they have on the Universal Orlando blog very helpful for people mm-hmm. like me who are. We can read, but we also want to visually, you know, get that the saliva glands going. Mm. Um, but their big picks for the lunches and the dinner are the burgers. It looks like they're doing a, a the Joey sandwich, which is a hoagie mm-hmm. with salami, uh, provolone cheese, roasted red peppers, and just overall good stuff. And they're doing a key lime pie and a cinnamon and sugar. It's called Zepoli's. Uh, it's an Italian treat consisting of a fried fritter. Like, I'm sorry, this is the news that I love. And I was a big fan when uh, when I got this notification that, hey, you can go to Endless Summer Resort Dockside Inn and uh, pick up some good eats. And is there official opening date? This is a food court? Is that? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be part of the, uh, well, because it's a value resort. So because mm. of that, they're going to want to give you uh, value options for dining uh, mm. before you head over to the parks. Right. Um, so it looks like it, it's going to be open when the Endless Summer Resort, the the Dockside, uh, comes uh, online. F- yeah, the f- phase one of Dockside, right? Yes. Like, like, you know, Surfside is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I, I'm a big fan of this. Okay, well there you go, folks. We started off. We, with we the tried. Cookie. <laughs> we tried. Okay, go from the cookie to uh, look. Uh, all right, last weekend uh, there was a lot of talk about how the Tokyo Disney Resort suddenly closed its two theme parks, Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Seas. This was done because the Japanese government, in an effort to stop the spread of the coronavirus, asked all businesses to cancel or postpone any big events for at least two weeks. So, Oriole Land Company honored, uh, you know, that edict and uh, shuttered the two Disney theme parks in Tokyo, along with the hotels that support that resort, from February 29th to March 15th. Uh, but what wasn't as widely reported, Dustin, was that Universal Studios Japan which is located in Osaka, Mm -hmm. uh, also shuttered for that same period of time, February 29th through March 15th. And as long as we're we're doing our due diligence here, we should also mention that Legoland Japan, you know, that 23-acre park, which is located in Nagoya, Mm -hmm. also shut down uh, February 29th through the 15th. Well, it's all about proximity at this point. When you're dealing with uh, a... (laughs) a virus that's spreading by people taking public transit and various, you know, symptoms not being originally recognized. Mm -hmm. This makes sense. There's, you know, Japan and China and everything within that area uh, is within reasonable distance Mm -hmm. that there's a good chance that, yeah, the spread could easily go out there. So I, I appreciate that. And I think the first step towards Disney shutting their parks was actually they stopped 
having the the face characters meet and greet. They went strictly to just everyone uh, without proximity. They were sending out all the, those characters, and we were just like, "Oh, that that's a very big step in in one direction." Well, yeah, now things it's, have kind it's of interesting. changed. You you bring up character greetings, character interactions, that sort of thing. Uh, since 2015, the uh, Universal Studios Japan theme park has annually staged this seasonal event called Universal Cool Japan. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about this, Dustin, is that uh, this event typically celebrates popular characters from manga, anime, and gaming. Previous years, they've built the event around uh, popular Japanese entertainment brands such as Attack on Titan, uh, Detective Conan, Monster Hunter, and... Godzilla, which, mm. again, kind of breaks my heart that I didn't get to see that. Um, <laughs> now, interesting, uh, Lupin the Third uh, has been a big part of Universal Studios Japan's Cool Japan thing uh, since 2018. That year, this hugely popular Japanese entertainment brand, which debuted as a manga back in August of 67, and just this past December, uh, Lupin, that occasional gentleman, perpetual thief, starred in his very first full-length CG film, uh, an animated feature with the rather confusing title, at least was translated from the Japanese to English, <laughs> that, that CG film was basically called Lupin the Third, the First. So it's like... <laughs> I, you know, that, all it's, right. That's really funny because of, you know, the fact that we cover theme parks and like, yeah, mm-hmm. Lupin the Third, the the live is, is the, you know, thing that they're doing here. And I'm like, yeah, but it's Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. We we deal with these names all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess so, that they have to sort of explain what they are to folks who speak all sorts of languages. Anyway, um, last year, uh, in 2018, Lupin the Third had a simulated car chase ride, and that was because Lupin in, in the show is always being chased by Inspector Zangata. Uh, the Japanese policeman who's determined to finally bring this master thief in. And there was also a Lupin-themed restaurant. Kind of interesting for 2020, what they did is they decided to stage, as Dustin just described, Lupin the Third, The Live, which is a stunt show, uh, which is presented in the Delancey section of Universal Studios Japan. It's a bunch of live performers dressed as some of the better-known characters from this entertainment brand, and it's it's since December twenty first that this show gets has been presented live, and it was initially it's supposed to run through June, mm-hmm. um, and hugely popular. You know, people would crowd into this corner of uh, Universal Studios Japan several times a day to to watch this show. And there was one Universal annual pass holder, a five year old boy, who just loved Lupin the Third so much so that. Uh, when this year's edition of Universal Cool Japan opened, he asked his mom basically to take him to the Universal Studios Japan Park as often as he could. And he'd literally spend the day on Delancey Street watching the Lupin the Third live show. And his mom really leaned into this little boy's obsession. She actually made him his very own inspectors and gata outfit i mean it it's amazing it's authentic in every detail down to its teeny tiny trench coat and his slouch hat you know if you you look around in line there's some incredibly cute pictures out there of this five-year-old boy with his inspector Zingata outfit interacting with the cast of the loop in the third the live stunt show the universal team members who perform this show several times daily have basically made this kid their mascot <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and, you know, they, they went out of their way to greet him whenever he was there for the show and the picture. I mean, it was really, really sweet what they did. But, of course, on February 28th, a word comes down that Universal Studios Japan would be shutting till at least March 15th and possibly longer. That's kind of keying off of the word that's I guess, is coming out of China, that it could be long as six weeks for this virus to pass through, you know, your system. So, and since this theme park in Osaka suddenly closed, that means this this poor little boy, you know, I mean, again, it's the the Lupin the Third, the live stunt show has been discontinued. He doesn't know when it's coming back. And, you know, the thing is that they got word that he was sitting at home heartbroken. He didn't know when he was going to see his friends again. And so one day this past week, 
a letter shows up at the little boy's house. And if you look at the outside of the envelope, it would appear to have been written by Lupin III himself. And, you know, so it, it basically reads Little Zangata, as in the teeny tiny version of Inspector Zangata. And it says, hey, little pops, I'm Lupin III. It might be impossible to go to Universal Studios for a little while. But do you think you can do a mission in the meantime? Could you please protect your mom from the coronavirus? This is a very important mission. The virus will someday be cured, and then I'll be back at Universal Studios. What I, I you know, just when you Tears. think about, well, <laughs> I, and again, is when you think about how much of the news lately is full of people behaving in, in incredibly stupid and selfish mm-hmm. ways, and. To think that this is the theme park employee who went out of his way to do this for a five-year-old boy. And you and I both know what theme park employees are paid. So the fact that they even (laughs) had the money for the envelope. Yeah. But, you know, it just that the fact they did this for this kid just makes me feel like eventually things are going to be okay again if we can just hang in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, folks, you have to remember that Universal Studios Japan is not the only Universal theme park over in Asia. And uh, Dustin, you did a quick check on what's going on with the construction of, of course, Universal Studios Beijing. Mm-hmm. And we, we have some news about the company that uh, is handling the hotels associated with that. But we're still, what, 2021? Uh, yep. That's what we're looking at for the opening there. And that's that's a projection that was if everything goes perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this falls under that uh, no, no, they're, that they're, heading anymore. No, that's. Uh, but in addition to Beijing, which again, it's opening in the future, we have Universal Studios Singapore, which is part of the resorts word Sentosa. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, that's an Asian destination resort that originally opened up back in January of 2010. Uh, This $6.7 billion project includes six on-site hotels, two casinos, 15 restaurants, dozens of shops, an Adventure Cove water park, a clone of the CEA Aquarium, and, of course, uh, Universal Studios Singapore theme park. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, Dustin, March 18th, this month, uh, is the official 10th anniversary of the opening of Universal Studios Singapore. Uh, And they did have some sort of a commemorative event planned, but that's now quietly been tabled in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, they'll they'll definitely do something online uh, and then postpone what they were going to do. I'm sure that people would still love to go and see uh, this experience. I'm looking at some of these, the locations there. I'm like, wow, this actually looks really fun. It it does. It does. But uh, here's the thing. Now, remember, I just mentioned that Resort World Sentosa has two casinos. Mm -hmm. Uh, These feature 2,400 gaming machines, 500 gaming tables. And to be honest, it's this aspect of this Asian destination resort that explains why, in, in spite of the increasingly grim news about the ongoing outbreak of COVID-19, this is why Universal Studios Singapore hasn't closed yet. And now, Dustin, let's be completely fair here, not to be hypocritical, because the exact same issue, the same sort of discussions are going on in Nevada right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. Las Vegas has only just begun to recover from that mass shooting uh, back in, you know, October of 2017, when 58 people were killed and, you know, 413 others were wounded. Yeah, um, that so, was that outdoor uh, concert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and so officials in that city are now terrified that, you know, if people are being told to avoid crowded public places, you know, the $6.6 billion that city earns annually just from gambling. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, again, just, you know, it's finally getting back up to, to speed. Uh, that'll slow to a trickle again. And, and so this is why Las Vegas, just like, you know, Resorts World Sentosa, they're kind of whistling in the dark. I mean, look, you know, they're doing very public gestures. They're increasing the frequency of disinfection, yep. uh, uh, especially when it comes to high traffic areas. You know, in fact, you know, the interesting thing is they're putting out hand sanitizers and masks and, and thermometers, you know, at, at various touch points. And it's interesting that, 
uh, just over the last day or so. There's been a lot of photos posted online about hand sanitizers popping up all over the Walt Disney World Resort. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, long story short, in Vegas and also at you know Resorts World Sentosa, uh, the casinos are not closing. Yeah. And well, in Vegas is going through a weird time as well because uh, this year in July mm-hmm. is when the new, uh, what is it going to be called? The Allegiant uh, Stadium mm-hmm. uh, is opening in support of the Las Vegas Raiders, mm-hmm. uh, brand new NFL team. Mm-hmm. It's a huge field that they're building, and it's actually pretty cool. The field itself Mm -hmm. actually uh, leaves the stadium and is stored outside. So it's actually on a pulley system. Mm -hmm. Amazing stuff down there. But the, the reason that it's kind of interesting is that Vegas is a place where people always thought, oh, we're just going to go there. You do the strip and then you, you do your shows, then you, you know, go and do the Cirque du Soleil and such. But with the inclusion of the Vegas Golden Knights hockey team and now the Raiders, this year is a big year for this community and something like casinos where people are constantly, you know, playing touch machines Mm -hmm. and, you know, card games and everything like a card game could potentially be catastrophic Mm -hmm. if not caught correctly. So it's a very real thing. And, and uh, especially in the theme parks, you're going around and like, I'm not going to kind of go down that road of who's sitting in your seats and that kind of thing. Disney's very good at cleaning things up, but it's just a lot of people kind of taking things to that next step. Well, and now it's interesting you bring this up because we now pivot to Universal Studios Singapore, which in mm-hmm. a weird way may be a coming attraction, uh, you know, because again, they've... They that theme park has to stay open to make sure that people are coming to this Asian destination resort to play at those casinos. Sure. But what they've done, you know, to be responsible in the face of the coronavirus is, first of all, they've crept in the operating hours of the park in in a, a really, you know, severe manner. The park is currently operating from 10 a.m. daily to 5 p.m. daily. And then, because again, you know, remember, we have countries like France that have banned any event where 5,000 people congregate, you know, because mm-hmm. again, the, the worry about infection. So, for example, the Universal City of Singapore, to deal with the issue of people crowding together and increasing their possible chances of infection, that theme park has canceled all presentations of its Hollywood Dream Light-Up Parade, as well as its nighttime fireworks show, the uh, Lake Hollywood Spectacular. Those are shut down through April of 2020. More interesting, at least to me, is the fact that Universal Studios Singapore right now is screening every guest as well as every team member as they enter that theme park. That theme park's main entrance has been reconfigured as mm-hmm. well as all of the, the back-of-the-house entry points, the, the way that uh, various team members get into the park for the day to, before they begin work. Every person coming on property now has a mandatory temperature check, which at a point that's manned by a security guard and medical personnel who are wielding thermal scanners. And anyone who's showing a high rate of fever is then not allowed into Universal uh, Studios Singapore. Um, oh, because that's how they're, you know, making sure that that virus doesn't spread. It's all, that's one of their uh, their tests they can go through and just be like, if you have a fever, mm-hmm. this is not the place for you right now. Yeah. And, okay. But the more interesting thing is, face it, people have sort of the equivalent of self-medicating in that they're walking in wearing surgical masks, uh, that they brought from home. And this is why Universal Studios Singapore had to, to develop new safety policies in regard to this medical gear. Because mm-hmm. think about it. All right, it's one thing if, you know, you're wearing a surgical mask and you get on a slow-moving attraction. You're on uh, the equivalent of Small World or that sort of thing. But uh, think about it. If you were on the Hulk coaster. On the Hulk or something, Yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, so what they're doing is they're asking people for the length of the ride on thrill rides to to remove their masks. Now, I, I, I bring this mask on ride thing up because 
Out in Southern California, there's already been a, a significant number of guests who are visiting theme parks in this part of the country. Because uh, remember, you know, we just had Governor Newsom just three days ago declare a state of emergency for California. So there are a lot of people showing up at the parks wearing these surgical masks, which is why Disney Parks experiences products, Universal Parks and Resorts, Six Flags Entertainment Corporation, uh, Cedar Fair LP, as well as SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment have all had to come up with their own policies on the fly as they try to get their arms around COVID-19 and how it's going to impact the day-to-day operations of these theme parks. Yeah, because you're not going to be able to just combat this by putting hand sanitizer, you know, things in front of uh, restaurants. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do something a little bit more uh, proactive. And And, that's that sounds like what they're doing. And what I, I can't help but think of is remember on September 12th, 2001, you know, when folks got up to go to the Disney theme parks the next day. There were these security stations that had been constructed overnight. When we're saying security station, we're literally talking about folding tables mm-hmm. uh, that had been set up in front of the turnstiles. But you you got this additional bag check that came out of nowhere. And, and in fact, in a weird sort of way, I just, I feel terrible for, think about Disney Hollywood Studios and sure. how they, they've just reconfigured the entrance to that park so it's, yes. you know, so much more user-friendly for, you know, where the Skyliner comes in and the new setup for the the buses and all that. And it's, you know, so much more efficient, so much smoother than it was, but it was never set up to have a, you know, an additional position where, you know, even after the bag check, you'd then have to do a thermal scan before you allow people into the park. And, and now... You know, you have to assume that they're having those meetings about this now, that what yeah. do we do and where where do we do this? And and more to the point, how do you tell somebody who's bought, you know, paid thousands of dollars to fly down to Disney World, who's bought a hotel room on property, that you have a fever, you can't come into our theme park? Yeah. Uh, that's going to be some, some impressive guest recovery efforts that are going to need to be done there. Again, I, I don't want to bring this up to scare people, but let's be honest. Uh, what was it? Just this past Friday, we saw South by Southwest. You know, yeah, the festival. I saw this. It was crazy. Like it's, but not crazy like that. But the amount of people who visit Austin, I, I saw a little uh, bit of a, a documentary on mm-hmm. kind of how many people plan their uh not just vacations but also bands oh yeah how they put south by southwest on their tour schedule each and every single year in order to start their their entire year this was big news well especially given that the the mayor of austin actually came out and said this is literally a local disaster because Mm -hmm. you know this was going to be the 35th anniversary presentation of this festival that celebrates music, film, and technology. And they estimated because they canceled the event that this is going to take $375 million out of the local economy. Wow. And uh, not to belabor the point here, but as I was sitting there looking at the South Southwest news, Dustin reached out to me and said, did you see the Peacock Live news? Why don't you explain what happened there? Sure. We, we saw a, a little bit of rumbling mm-hmm. on, uh, on social media, mm-hmm. and then we saw a, uh, a tweet go out, and I, I grabbed a screen grab and flipped it over to you as soon as I, I saw that. And it basically read that uh, due to uncertainty surrounding some of the event's programming elements, we have decided to postpone our special fan event, Peacock Live. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in on the historic backlot of our studio and are disappointed that we will not be able to hold the event on the original dates as planned. And uh, so what are, they did... Uh, uh, just to interrupt here. The sure. original dates of that were March 28th and March 29th of, of this month. And yes. I uh, want to stress here that Peacock Live was supposed to be NBC Universal Comcast's equivalent of a D23 Expo. It was supposed to be uh, an event that talked up 
new films. All parts that, of the company. Yeah. And we're not just talking about like, you know, the, the theme parks or anything. No, they had the voice there. They had mm-hmm. uh, all, all the, the TV personalities mixed in with everything that Comcast and Universal have in their their repertoire and being like no this is where you want to be if you're a theme park fan and you love everything about the parks but you also want to be in that next part of digital streaming Mm -hmm. uh you want to be in peacock live yeah it definitely turned out to be a a very unique piece of news because we're talking about, you know, 20 days out. Yeah. Uh, at this point, it was about, you know, uh, 27 or 28. Mm-hmm. But things have changed very quickly when well, it comes to these events. Yeah. And I made some phone calls, reached out to friends to get some additional info on this. And sure, uh, folks in Hollywood did not want to cancel this event. They were pushing back hard about it. But it was actually the executives. I mean, you have to understand that. Comcast corporate headquarters is in Philadelphia. And, you know, they've been looking over the horizon at all of these events that are being canceled or rescheduled. I mean, just today, for example, the American Film Institute had a uh, lifetime tribute award that was going to be presented to Julie Andrews in April. And Mm -hmm. they announced again, you know, just one of these things out of an abundance of caution. You know, this event was going to be held in L.A. You know, they were pushing it off till late summer. Uh, And the elephant in the room, of course, is with California declaring a state of emergency, uh, and Governor Newsom behind that, Comcast executives felt uneasy about going out to Southern California to a crowded theme park for this event and potentially exposing not only themselves, but the talent that was supposed to take part in this event, you know, Peacock Live. Which, is, again, is why it got postponed. And what the folks who run the, the Universal Studios Hollywood theme park are very, very, very concerned about at this point is the unanswered question to the effect of, okay, if it's unsafe for Comcast executives from Philadelphia and celebrities who are going to take part in these panels to come into a crowded theme park, why then is this theme park still up and running? Yeah. You know? What about us? What, what about, about our guests? What about the the hundreds of thousands of people that are spending huge amounts of money and coming down here and it, not just being exposed? We're yeah. talking about potentially, you know, having that uh, that thing on the back of your shoulder being like, was I there at that exact moment when something happened? Yeah. So, you know, the guys in Philadelphia don't care. You know, just sort of oh, like, sure. you know, that, that that's your problem. Um, all right. Well, again, folks, we promise happy stories. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try. <laughs> we're going to try. We get prepared from the bank. Happy stories. Yes. Okay, and okay. Happy story. Happy story. Universal Studios Hollywood. Hey, I, you saw the pictures from the inside of Secret Life of Pets off the leash, right? Yes. I want to. I want to be there. Like, it, it looks cool. This is. The detail in that area is basically taking things to to a very immersive set. Mm-hmm. And I love like the hidden gems and everything. And they'll continue to come out in between now and the opening. But oh my, as a, yeah. a theme park yeah. fan, this is exactly where you want to see this opportunity for uh, Secret Life of Pets to really take its theme park a- adventure. It's going to be awesome. Forbes did a piece about this in the past week. And they were talking about okay. how this attraction... Uh, was in development for two and a half years. In fact, we were just noticing, uh, for example, going through the shots of the animatronic figures. And by the way, folks, yeah. 64 different animatronic figures inside of this thing. Oh, that is a theme park fan. That's what you want to hear. No yep. more screens. G- give me audio animatronic. Oh, wait, no, they're screens. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's in fact that one of the more interesting things about this attraction is the gimmick is that you're in a you know, a cardboard box sort of rolling through the world of, of Secret Life of Pets. In fact, you you start in Katie's apartment and you eventually end up in the streets of New York. And at one point you're in Cat Alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there's, there's a lot of stuff that if you're a fan of the two Illumination films from the Secret Life of Pets franchise, this is well worth checking out. But what's interesting is that when you're in that cardboard box rolling through this attraction, you're supposed to be a puppy. 
and you know to, to sort of reinforce this idea as you pass uh, mirrors and televisions and, and and that sort of thing. When you look to the side, you'll see an image of the cardboard box you're in, but with puppies. And the, but the thing is, there will be a puppy in the attraction that follows your movement. So if you lift a hand, the puppy will lift its paw. If you turn your head, the puppy in the vehicle will turn its, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds amazing from a, a technological point of view. Sure. Uh, and, you know, what's especially interesting on the heels of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Heels, because you said puppies. Yeah. That's, well, there we go. Bro- that's a great pun. Okay. Completely See, we're having fun in the second, the uh, second part of this. We have to, we're, we're Corona. Trying. Uh, <laughs> okay, but what's interesting about uh, coming on the heels of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opening with its trackless technology, remember, there mm-hmm. was a time that Secret Life of Pets off the leash. In fact, the name off the leash was because they were going to use trackless vehicles. But in the end, the decision was made to go with more of a a, a tracked vehicle, but to to lean into this technology where you're a puppy. You know, you, you're literally part of the show. Um, one interesting <laughs> bend on this thing, given that Secret Life of Pets 2 didn't do all that well at the box office last year, kind of interesting that there are characters from that film, a rooster, the, the, the farm dog that Harrison Ford voiced for that movie, likewise yep. Daisy, the, uh, that was Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, the the cockapoo or, or whatever that was. Yeah. Um, going to be interesting to see if this one travels because I, I think you were mentioning, Dustin, that I guess the conceit is the Secret Life of Pets off the leash is located at Pets Place, Yeah, uh, which used to be Baker Street in that theme park. And uh, it's right across the street from Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem. So this is sort of the Illuminations neighborhood now. Yeah, this is kind of where something like Shrek could possibly, you know, that that's a very mm-hmm. uh, high traffic location. Yeah. Um, I don't know, doing the, the Google Maps view and actually seeing where they could plug something like this in, you never know. Well, now remember, they did... Just recently, well, recently, two two and three years ago now, uh, Shrek 4D was pulled out of the upper lot and turned into uh, the DreamWorks Theater. Which yeah, the, the Black that, Box Theater. Yeah, uh, has that Kung Fu Panda 4D movie there, but uh, which, again, you know, we keep hearing is potentially headed to Florida. In fact, the other thing worth mentioning here, and I think we talked about this actually on our tour in uh, mm-hmm. November, was that... You know, a Universal Island Adventure came within inches of getting its own version of Secret Life of Pets. I guess they had uh, done all the measuring and were within inches of pulling down the old Toon Lagoon Amphitheater, the the one that you pass as you're walking up from Marvel Superhero Island to mm-hmm. uh, up into Toon Lagoon. And that project got stopped just before they began demo, so... Got to wonder if this one's successful. We'll see it pop up somewhere in Florida. Yeah, Um, and speaking of pop-ups for The Secret Life of Pets, it looks like it's opening to the public on the 27th of March. mm -hmm. But if you're an annual pass holder, you can sign up for preview rides on the Universal pass member preview website so just head through you put in your pass member id and then you reserve uh it's limit one reservation date per pass member very cool that's a great tip yeah okay we were talking about florida i guess we should talk about the new attraction that's about to debut there the born stuntacular Mm -hmm. um we had talked about the uh live remote that the today show did at the tail end of february and Folks, you can actually go on YouTube right now. Today's show has posted a video of a segment that their uh, correspondent, Natalie Morales, did, which showed her working with the stunt team for the Bourne Stuntacular. And what was fascinating is they showed a lot of the state-of-the-art projection technology that's going to be used with this thing. I, I shot this video to you. Dustin, because I wanted you to take a look at the crowd scene, uh, the street fight that they replicate, where there's, uh, what is it, three performers standing in front of a giant screen, and there's, but mm-hmm. there's a, 
a projected crowd of have to be 40. It's got to be at least 30, yeah. 30 people in that. Yeah. And it looks, I mean, you buy it. I mean, it looks yeah. amazing. So, you know, at the very least, this is going to have some, some pretty stunning you know, technology. Uh, For me, what, what really shocked me was the amount that they showed the theater itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you go into this theater, and, and as theme park fans and as people who, who love this type of technology, look up. That's all you have to do. Look up. Mm-hmm. Uh, see the, the transformation that they've put into this space and uh, just be... Be on the lookout for things that will make you happy when you see the amount of skill that goes into putting on this show. How many times a day? Hmm. Like it, it looks like it's a fun show, not only to watch, but also to perform. Yeah. Now, what's kind of intriguing is we don't have an official opening date yet, but it turns out the Born Gift Shop is open. Again, you know, the problem is the, in a weird sort of way, the merch, the T-shirt, the coffee mug, the, the, the water bottle, reveals just as much as the Born logo and name on the marquee, which is nothing. It's one of these things where I get it. It's about a secret agent. But, you know, you could tell me a little bit about the show. Yeah. Uh, what's more interesting, though, is it's a double purpose gift shop. This is also where you can buy the Universal Classic Monsters merch. In fact, they have giant-sized figures in there of Frankenstein's monster and the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, so it's kind of- They've got a full set of uh, Jaws merchandise and Ghostbusters stuff. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is where I want to spend some money. In. But, it's, but that's the thing. If you think about it, no more Jaws attraction, no more Ghostbusters attraction. It's kind of intriguing. But again, this is where you go to get that in that park. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, you know, I can't help but think, given that Elizabeth Mott's Invisible Man movie, which was number one at the box office this past week, and is now running a strong number two behind Pixar's uh, Onward, mm-hmm. I wonder if, you know, we wait a couple of weeks, we'll see some Invisible Man t-shirts or that sort of thing in there. Absolutely. I don't know. That film, I have to admit, you know, I, I'm not big into scary movies, so I probably won't buy a ticket and go out and see it in theaters, but I'll, I'll go out of my way to catch it when it pops up on cable or that sort of thing. But they, they, they We're on Peacock Live. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> and speaking of Peacock Live, when we were talking about this pre-show, you say, I think we already talked about this, but I, want, I still wanted to put this out there. In January, Comcast revealed that Peacock, their new streaming service, will essentially come in two different flavors. If you want it commercial-free, it's $9.99. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, on the other hand, you know you can tolerate some ads, you, they're perfectly happy to sell it to you for $4.99 a month. I, I, we were at a party this evening talking with friends about Disney+, and these friends had bought CBS Access just so they could watch Picard. And, you know, the whole notion of I was we, we got talking about Peacock Live and how the event had gotten canceled, but this was going to be where, you know, Comcast was going to roll out its subscription streaming service. And it was just this whole notion of how much am I going to have to pay, you know, mm-hmm. between Netflix and Amazon, you know, to, to get all Disney Plus and, yeah. you know, sports, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Yeah, like it looks like Peacock Premium will have more than fifteen thousand hours of content mm-hmm. with more than six hundred movies, four hundred TV shows. Mm-hmm. But something that we've talked about um, on this show, as well as uh, we actually brought it up on on the We Like Theme Park show, mm-hmm. is the difference between these streaming services that just put out movies and TV shows that people have already seen, mm-hmm. and what we're thinking Comcast is going to be going towards, which is the the live mixed in with the daily experiences. And I think that's something that Disney Plus is kind of missing because you don't have that reason to log in each and every single day Mm -hmm. where I believe that's where Comcast is going to be heading because they do have a lot of live sports and things that they put out there on a day-to-day basis. And in fact, it's interesting you bring that up because, of course, they've got the Summer Olympics in Tokyo this summer, which, by the way, again, does swing back to Corona. Fingers crossed. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there are some concerns right now about whether or not this will go forward. But I bring up the Summer Olympics because Steve Burke, the, the chief executive of NBC Universal, um, I, I'm actually kind of embarrassed, Dustin, that, that we didn't talk about this earlier. I mean, I think I know we've talked on, on the show about Bob Iger, uh, mm-hmm. you know, effectively stepping down and Bob Chapek stepping up. Um, but, you know, I, we have Steve Burke, the CEO of NBC Universal, who announced, you know, back in, in early January that he was going to stay on uh, with the company through August and effectively do a victory lap uh, that ended with the Summer Olympics. And, but Jeff Schell mm-hmm. is now, you know, as of January 1st, the new CEO, you know, and, and that he's the one who's going to be reporting to Brian Roberts and, you know, calling the shots as company goes boldly marching into 2020, you know, with the coronavirus and all of us changing how we watch our television. And, and I just, you know, at the same time, there's just a part of me when I look at what Jeffrey Katzenbergs and Meg Whitman are doing with Queeby mm-hmm. and the whole notion of, you know, they, they are betting, you know, think about it, you know, here are, here's Disney, here's, here's Comcast, here's CBS Access betting that we still do want to watch, you know, half hour, an hour long television shows or, or, or God help us that we said we, we want to watch all three and a half hours of The Irishman. Um, mm-hmm. And here's Queeby betting that, no, what you really want to watch is something that's five minutes, maybe 10 minutes long. At the same time, understanding that some of this stuff will succeed and some of this stuff will actually end up in a theme park somewhere. Sure. I don't know. It's just, it's such a strange time. In fact, to sort of bring things full circle here, I mean, Bob Chapek did an interview with LaughingPlace.com. And they they asked him a very interesting question. It just it was about you know the number of attractions going into the Disney theme parks that were now featured IP from current films and and sure. that sort of thing. And Chapek, to his credit, didn't shy away from answering the question. He basically look said our characters and the stories we tell at Disney are the reason people come to our theme parks. You know, they want to spend time with those characters. They want to revisit those stories. And mm-hmm. um, and it's like, look, if our competitors had those characters and th- those stories, they wouldn't hesitate to put them into their theme parks. And, and I can't help but look at Universal and see a Secret Life of Pets opening on the 27th of this month and the the Born Stuntacular opening and, of Florida. Yeah. And, yeah. And the Today Show Cafe. And absolutely, it makes sense. When oh, you have the IP that people like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you use it? Yeah. But at the same time, it means, you know, we're never going to get in that world, in that theme park environment, we're never going to get another Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, uh, yep. No more Haunted Mansion. No more but, Everest. But we'll get. A Jungle Cruise movie, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm I, sorry, folks. <laughs> if you would like, I can give them one one nice thing to, to head out with, with the two-day, two-park ticket coming out. That's that's. <laughs> we'll, we'll end on something really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, talk about that, please. Yeah. So, it looks like uh, if you are thinking about heading to Universal Orlando, uh, do a little bit of research into this two-day, two-park ticket, because it looks like they're bringing back the special ticket offer that they did last year, which is guests who purchase a two-day, two-park will receive an extra two days free uh, to enjoy the thrills and excitement at Universal Studios Florida and Islands. There is an upgrade if you would like to. I believe it's 40 bucks to get into uh, Universal's Volcano Bay theme park. You know, look for the deals for you. So this is this is what you, you come to the Universal Joint Podcast for, right? Mm, well, I, I do <laughs> I also tried. want to point out that this offer became available on February 24th, and this was the day when what the, the news broke out of China that they'd had 2,600 deaths from the coronavirus. So yeah, you know, this I'm the, the not fact saying that, there is a correlation no, at all. You know, that if you talk to the number of airlines who've canceled flights because people aren't traveling, 
again, we live in interesting times, folks. And that's uh, true. And we try to tell the interesting stories here at the Universal Joint podcast or in the event we held in November. And speaking of which, yeah. uh want to let you guys know that we were teaming with Storybook Destinations, the travel agency that helps Jim Hill Media stage all of its previous live events. We're doing another get-together in November, folks. So mark your calendars, please. This is November 13th through the 16th of 2020. That's when myself, Michelle Viodo lead and Dustin Fuse, you may know hey, that gentleman, uh, we're headed down to Florida <laughs> for God help us. This is the name of the event, folks. Jim's Disney Springs thing. Going to do a lot of fun stuff. There are going to be trivia contests and scavenger hunts. Uh, those will be handled by Mr. Fuse. Hi. Not to mention, uh, we're going to visit uh, Disney's West Side to catch a performance of Drawn to Life, the uh, Cirque du Soleil show that's Disney-centric. I uh, just began previews this month. In fact, uh, what is it? On March 20th. Yeah, th there's a lot of behind-the-scenes video showing up with, with that. I'm actually really excited with the access that we've been getting before anyone's even seen it. Yeah... <laughs> <laughs> I got to put a positive spin on it in this show. Come okay, on. We, okay. we... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all, let me put it this way. I'm always glad to see Eric Goldberg. I don't True. know what Eric Goldberg is doing next to gymnasts, but I'm always glad to see Eric Goldberg. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, part of this, this event, we'll also be talking about the history of the late, great Pleasure Island, as well yeah. as heading over to Disney's Boardwalk. For those of you who don't remember... That was the Imagineers' original plan. They were going to build a second nighttime entertainment district that was supposed to be a sequel to Pleasure Island. That was where, you know, there was literally going to be a, a restaurant called Walt's Attic where you were going to be surrounded by treasures from the Disney archive, not to mention a Little Mermaid dinner show. And and perhaps the thing that, that continues to break my heart, the, the family reunion restaurant... Uh, we ever talked about this one, Dustin? No, I don't think we have. Uh, this one just... I think people have to come to this event just to hear about it. Okay, well, again, if you, <laughs> you love the Adventures Club, you were going to really love the Family Reunion Restaurant. Anyway, again, these are the sorts of stories you'll hear if you participate in our, in our next live event this November. Guaranteed to be a fun time. And if you want to get in on that fun, please drop Tammy Whiting a line at DisneyDish at storybookdestinations.com and let her know that you're interested in taking part. And as soon as we firm up the details of exactly what we're doing come November, Tammy will be back in touch. But until then, Dustin, when people need to be entertained and uplifted, they're not going to listen to me because I'm, I, frankly, I'm depressed about this coronavirus <laughs> thing. But what about you? What, where can they find you and what are you talking about? So I'm over at the the We Like Theme Parks podcast. Uh, we talk about everything in the theme parks. We just have fun with, uh, you know, some armchair imagineering and random trivia contests that I continue to lose. Can you believe that? I lose at trivia. It, it's it's crazy. Shock. Shock. Um, which, by the way, if you come to our event, there's a very good chance you will beat me at trivia. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're over there. Uh, we put out a new uh, podcast every week. And I'm also at StepsToMagic.com, uh, Disney Universal Trip Planning, all that fun stuff. And I think you have what? You're up to 37 podcasts? No, six, but actually Drew and I are talking about seven. Okay, speaking of which, uh, Drew Taylor and I uh, do Fine Tuning, which is about animation, news, and history. We have the Looking at Lucasfilm podcast, uh, which I do with Dan Z. The I Want That podcast, which is about Disney merch, uh, that's with Michelle Valladolid, who will be co-hosting the November event with myself and Dustin. Uh, we, of course, have The Mothership, Disney Dish with Lentesta, and then we have Marvelous Disney, which is about, of course, all things Marvel, cinematic universe, television, and the like. Uh, I do that with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. Uh, tell you what, folks, if you could do Dustin and I a favor, uh, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only Universal Joint, but also the We Like Theme Parks podcast, that would be great. Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you're listening to here, uh, if you could go head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that helps keep the lights on. Um, you know, what about social media, Dustin? Where are you there? 
Uh, I'm usually over at Instagram, uh, you know, Steps to Magic. We like theme parks. And uh, I've been dabbling a little bit more in, in Twitter, but I, I turn off my, uh, you know, actual function to tweet. Mm-hmm. And I'm more just reading the news. Uh, so I, I've been using the mute button a lot more because I, I still like to hear the opinions of people who I, I trust. But it's just so much information at this point in time. So, yeah, it's 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 fun. Honestly, how I get my entertainment news is just like anybody else. I subscribe to your other shows. Eh. It makes life easier. Wow. <laughs> I get a, a social media for us. Let's see. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. It's Jim Hill Media. And over at Facebook, we are under Jim Hill Media News. Uh, not sure Ooh. why that is. Uh, I mean, but anyway, somebody got Jim Hill Media. Something about that. <laughs> Anyway, folks, um, again, sorry if this was, was somewhat depressing, but but again, we are headed into interesting times. And when it comes to our entertainment news, and you know, it, the, the weird thing is that uh, we're seeing, for example, uh, Universal is actually benefiting from you know, for example, from the coronavirus. You know, I don't know if you saw how, for example, Dustin. Uh, no Time to Die, the Bond 25, uh, was looking at the fact that they weren't, weren't going to be able to open in China day and date. Uh, and the mm-hmm. concern was that, you know, that there's only one Bond 25. This is an event. So they actually pushed um, the release of this MGM film. Isn't I think Universal actually handles it internationally, but they push it off seven months of the fall. And oh, wow. and what was interesting is that then left the weekend of Easter uh, wide Ooh. open, and here was Universal with uh, Trolls World Tour, which was actually going to open the following weekend on on April seventeenth. And as soon as they saw a Bond step out of that space, it's like, oh, we have to grab that. So uh, that's why now uh, Trolls World Tour is going to open on April tenth. But the downside is, of course, because Peacock Live is canceled, that was actually going to be, if you went to the Peacock Live event, you could actually have gone out to the AMC City Walk and mm-hmm. seen, you know, that film on the 28th and 29th out ahead of, you know, now this moved up release. So, like I said, interesting times, you know, and then things are changing all the time, Dustin and I will try to keep you updated on, on these things. And so come on back in two weeks, folks, and hopefully we'll have some better news, okay?